0: everyone welcome to everyman BJJ a weekly show covering MMA and BJJ news and training tips we're live Sunday October 10th what's up Noah happy Sunday
1: thank you you too it's uh, nope. well, I'm gonna look at my phone real quick and tell you which week of the year it is it's the 42nd week of the year w42 on my iphone
0: now it's a nice fall day here
1: it's about 70
0: and you were predicting off camera that i'm going to probably roast within the next i won't make it to the 90 minutes 90 minute episode i'm going to roast i'm going to tap out i think uh, my I, phone might my phone might tap out due to the sun the heat of the sun but i'm not
1: going to tap out on it, brother for sure for sure you're gonna have a baked Apple iPhone um, so I-, I give that 30 minutes because that Sun looks well, right
0: yeah what I'm
1: gonna do in 30 minutes is I'm gonna
0: take my hand use my tactile senses it's a good word for people out there it's an underused word tactile senses my spidey senses and see how much more does my phone have in it do i need to move to another part of the of the the residence here away from the sun that could be done we will adapt no we're all about adaptation diversification and adaptation so
1: remind me in
0: about 25 minutes to check and see how hot the wires in my phone are um because we we want to be professional here we don't want this to go out right we want this is a professional operation we're running
1: here so only the best Only the, only there the are levels of ahead. there are levels of professionalism. This is not a Zuffa production um, yet, um, but you know, in time. I mean, what what this first year, this first year of podcasting together uh, is about. Um, you know, getting used to getting used to thinking and speaking live, and and you know, carrying that kind of conversation um and um you know it's also working out all of our schedules together and i was talking to jordan earlier about uh, you know he's he's got a kind of a busy schedule right now for for sundays so i just going to mention it here you know that for now um you know he's going to uh, we're going to have him drop in probably on during the week podcast when he has more availability um you know i i i know that um you know it's kind of tough for for us to sit on here for 90 minutes at a time on Sundays, whenever, you know, if you got stuff going on, that's prime real estate that you need to uh, take advantage of. Um, So just mention that to you, Frank, um, for the show, a little bit of, you know, show note there, that, uh, you know, Jordan's gonna be more of a, he's gonna drop in, more of a drop in, uh, or, you know, from time to time, than a full-time co-host for the time being. He'll come back, I'm sure.
0: that's that's great and I totally understand and you know we always we always appreciate Jordan's perspectives and um, his ideas. so yeah he's welcome to be dropping in and whatever you know life happens I always say that to people life happens and there's a lot especially this year there's a lot to work around and and uh, it's it's not always easy that's one thing I do like about doing the podcast with you like I said is it holds us accountable because if I decide that I don't, that I don't want to do it today, that I'm too busy, then I have to take into consideration you, I have to take, you know, your part of the equation. If I, if I don't show for it, then I'm disappointing you. But I understand where there's so much on a lot of people's plates. Now, even things we don't know about people get busy different times of their life, different priorities, man. I totally understand. Jordan's our boy been friends with Jordan for a long time. And, uh, he's really focused as well on his uh, you know his jiu-jitsu his MMA and um, so yeah we, we look forward to having Jordan on in the future when when his schedule allows you said something earlier noah that I want to go back to you mentioned this is not yet a Zufa production right we're a work in progress we're working out the you know the 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 you know we're working out the what works what does it work and and you know getting into a rhythm of a podcast when you mentioned Zufa production I thought about the the knockout that happened yes last night's um, fight night Abu Dhabi and a gentleman who I'd never heard of before right he caught the kick right and so so a guy one of the fighters threw a kick and that kick was caught you know some, one of the defenses to a kick sometimes is the guy catches your kick sometimes the guy catches your kick and then they'll throw a power hand I've seen guys get rocked by someone will catch your kick and while you're on one leg boom they'll hit you with the power hand and 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 drop you. And in this instance, the guy was something we've never seen before. Never, you know, just when we think we've seen it all, guy throws a kick. He's on one leg. His kick has got caught. Not the best position for an offensive fighter when a guy catches your kick. And this guy out of nowhere does this spinning 360 kick And his foot. No, that's one thing nobody's going to talk about today. His foot looked, I mean, just in the replays, that guy, the offensive guy who threw that spinning kick, right, out of nowhere that resulted in a knockout. When you see his foot, hit, his foot like, his foot's huge. So it's like, it's not just a guy that threw a spinning kick. It's not just that it was unexpected. It's not just the violent whip. It's that his foot is, looks like it's about twice as heavy and twice as muscular as a normal foot. Might as well be a dumbbell. So, I, so yeah. what I was gonna say is when that happened, when that happened, One of the things that I thought, of, remember as somebody who previously worked for Ultimate Fighting Championship, great experience. The first thing I thought of is that's going to, not only people are saying, hey, is that one of the best, is that the best KO in in MMA history? Is it one of the best? But I was thinking this is going to change the whole highlight reel. UFC has like that three-minute, four-minute video that they do at 7 p.m. that jump starts. A lot of people, if you're watching the live broadcast, you don't see it if you're there at the arena. You actually see this video montage and the song Teenage Wasteland and this highlight reel of UFC knockouts and UFC moments. And the first thing I thought is, Oh my goodness, this guy just crashed that party. Somebody who is presently in that highlight reel montage, right? That's that's really so awesome. It's just it's just spine tinglingly awesome. It's goosebumps awesome when you hear that. If you're at a live show. And I thought, someone who's presently in the highlight reel video is getting bounced for sure. Someone's getting because it's only so long it's only three and a half four minutes So someone who's presently some fighter who's presently in there for a highlight reel moment is bounced This moment is injected It's 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 going to be there and it's going to probably be there for a lot interesting that this this guy overnight just You know all over espn all over everything so that's what I thought of when you said you super production I thought of that highlight reel and I thought well this this guy's probably it's going to be hard to bump him now that he's He's going to be inserted in that highlight reel video, and it's going to be hard to, to bump him. He'll probably be there 10, 20 years.
1: Oh, yeah. You know, I've been following Impa Kasangane, um, who, who was the fighter who got uh, knocked out. Oh, no. We already lost Frank. Uh, I'm telling you, him out in the sun, that phone got hot. It didn't even make it seven minutes. But let me go ahead and finish my thought there. Um, uh Kasingane. I've been following him uh, uh, through Dana White's contender series of a prior season. He was. Um, uh, let me just make this full screen. Impo Impa, Impa uh If I re- recall correctly, he is a um, uh, an accountant, which obviously I'm an accountant. And, uh, uh, he's foreign born, not an not American born. And, um, he's a wonderful, it seems like a wonderful guy. Um, and I've just been putting myself mentally into, into, um, you know, his place of where here I've been following this guy. And, and Impa quickly built up, uh, the number of fights that he was, uh, on, uh, since the Dana White's contender series. Um, so it's, it's kind of surprising that he got, um, that that he got, um, that he got knocked out last night. Frank, I just can, I can see a monologue there with myself. Hey, no, you're breaking up, man. I can't, you're, you're, you're very,
0: um, scattered.
1: That's because your phone is hot. Your phone is hot.
0: No, my phone, my phone's not hot right now, brother. All right. Uh,
1: you're, you're you're just kind of garbled. Okay. Um, well, I, you know i i took uh I took liberty here whenever you dropped out there for a second to to continue the thought about Impa Konsanganay, who was the recipient of that KO. He he was on Dana White's Contender Series uh, season two. Oh man, he's dropping out. Frank, this is the mulligan. We've, uh, you know, I've. we were started talking and I think we had a little IT issue there. Um, I don't know if we'll be able to splice uh, that first segment over. I gave a little monologue at the end there. And then, uh, I, you know, I decided to cut it short because I knew um, after a few minutes you can come back on and we can uh, restart this. Uh, so welcome to the mulligan, Sunday. <laughs> um, I was just saying, I was just saying, um, you know, I started uh, following Impa Sing- uh, uh again, uh, now I can't say his name. Impa Singh Gane, um, who was the fighter who received that uh, knockout kick uh, during Dana White's uh, second season of the uh, Contender Series, and uh, I only noticed him because he's an accountant and he's from Charlotte, North Carolina, um, and I'm just really surprised. That a lot of the um, uh, the cohorts or the class, the classes coming out of the contender series are being used. Um, it was just those fighters are, they're just brought directly into all of these fights during the, uh, during this COVID uh, period, this epoch. And I'm just, I'm, I'm amazed at, um, you know, the talent. I, you know, I thought that the USC had l- so many fighters out there but they're they're really burning through the roster so fast with uh, with these prelim cards of uh, you know it's the same fighters one after another being recycled within six weeks of fighting again. Um, I mean it's great for them to get caught up and and I assume that's what they're doing. They're just trying to play catch up game. But there's a lot of fighters out there on that roster that are not that are not working. Um, do you have any insights on that?
0: No, I don't. And it, it's an interesting, um, anecdotal observation, meaning, you know, we don't, there's, there's more, I don't know about it, but, um, what's interesting is that this is an, aside notion.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's interesting. Our notion of how often should a fighter fight, right in a wrestling wrestling is a season and that season you know, it could be four and a half to five months. Hockey is a season, right? It's a six-month season. The NBA is a five- or six-month season. The NFL, with when you factor in a normal, not a non-COVID year, you're looking at six months, right, between off-season training. Again, they, a lot of the best athletes train year-round, but I'm talking about formal, on-the-premises, on-the-facility. And what's interesting, of course, is in jiu-jitsu, it's a year-round thing, right? Jiu-jitsu really doesn't have a season. That, it makes it an outlier among sports. It is, it is a year-round thing, and that, that creates a susceptibility to overtraining as well, especially for the elite athlete who, just doesn't, who doesn't know how to look at the calendar and pick a season where they say, okay, this is going to be my slow season. Like Lance Armstrong, this was fascinating, Lance Armstrong with those, I think seven Tour de France victories. One thing that astonished me is Lance Armstrong's goal was only, they were only like three races a year that mattered to Lance Armstrong. He did not try to enter like, Hey, I'm Lance Armstrong. Let's enter 30 races a year and try to win them. It wasn't that he really saved and primed his body um, for just a couple just a couple, literally a couple of events a year. It was like a time trial. There was a tour de France and then one other. And it's like anything else, if he did enter it, well, you know, he's a driven, driven competitor. But, it, it, you know, it's interesting now looking at fighting, like when you compare like bo- boxing as a sport since circa like 1890, right? So boxing as an organized sport, to my knowledge, was like 1890-ish, right? So we're talking okay. 100, 130 years or so. And boxing at one time was like the, you know, one of the most popular sports. I mean, it was right there with baseball and football and basketball and, you know, boxing was huge. I mean, not not just occasionally, like right now, I mean, whole nations stopped and listened to radio broadcasts because back then there wasn't, there wasn't even TV of you know, that Max Schmeling versus, you know, whoever. I mean, so, you know, this these were big deals. And in boxing in the old days, I mean, they were fighting. There were fighters that were fighting every week, every two weeks, every three weeks. It wasn't, this was normal, right? So it's interesting to see what's normal in each area. Now in today's world, we have a very sensitive area. We're sensitive to concussions, right? We're doing a lot more brain imaging. We're looking at post concussion syndrome with basketball players and other athletes. And so there is a much greater awareness, but it still begs the question, how frequently we forget that the USC, is still a relatively new sport in its modern reincarnation. When you go back to pancreation, right, and say, well, you know, we, people, humans have been doing this and competing and and and, and fighting for, for, for ages. But this modern day installation of UFC is still fairly new. We're still trying to figure it out. So that begs the question, Noah, to your point, how frequently can a fighter fight? We're seeing the guy, you know, the Russian guy, hums it, hums it, you know, that guy wants, that guy, Emerges unscathed from every fight. He steamrolls everybody. It's like that guy could fight every two or three weeks at the pace he's going, right? Until somebody puts a beating on him, puts some mileage on him. He's 20, what, 21, 22 years old, whatever he is, like so his body's got that bounce back, right? So it's it's different, you know. Like how often I think some of these fighters are so durable, I think some of them could can fight a lot more than the normal. We were used, we got used to every three months, every four months, we got used to that, right? We got used to that. But is that really how often a fighter, a good fighter can fight? Is that really, that see, that every three or four months, Noah, it works. For people out there, anybody out there who's in athletic performance, you would ask yourself, how do we get Noah into peak performance? And if you look at some of the best peak performance scientific data that's ever been done, that's ever been compiled, who did it? The Russians. The Russians were phenomenal at documenting everything, going back decades and decades, and for peaking and periodization. And what they found normally was, in general, an ideal camp is every 12 weeks. That's the way the human, human body works like this. It's designed, generalization, generally. It could be eight weeks, 12 weeks. But generally, it's a 12-week period of boom, 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 boom. Now, what, is, what does that curve say at the end of the three months? If you're really doing it right, if you're pushing it right, what is it saying? It's saying at some point after the 12 weeks, there starts to be a point of diminishing returns where you're overtraining, where your body runs down, and you can't get gains, and you have to go down, right, a low cycle, and then you build back up, right? You know, this, this is the normal arc of peak. In other words, what the Russians and what what, what our own anecdotal evidence shows us is it is almost humanly impossible to sustain peak performance for, like, you know, month by month, you know, the whole calendar year, which is why Lance Armstrong was doing three races a year, right, it's a, which is why you see some fighters. So what's interesting is the fight sports tend to parallel, probably incidentally, not intentionally, tend to parallel what some of the best research we have so far is on peak computerization, which is every... 12 weeks, you know, eight weeks for some, depending on if you get hurt, whatever, depending on your age, depending on how, how vulnerable you are to injury right? how injury prone you are. But what I'm thinking of when you ask that question, Noah, is that I'm just thinking of, well, let's just think about the popular notion. Are we seeing a change? Obviously, you know, what you're suggesting is, hey, they're, they're marketing certain fighters. Some fighters are getting all this exposure. Some other fighters on the roster are probably begging for a fight for every reason they're not getting it. I don't know that. What I do know is maybe what's going on right now is we have to start rethinking our notion of how often can a fighter fight, right? We've been trained to see a fighter, maybe a good fighter, three times a year normally. Not even four times a year. Even though we think four times a year, most of the fighters, most of them, you see them three times a year, the good ones. You see them three times a year, right? You don't see it. You don't see a champion defending his title five or six times in a year, right? You, I, I'm not saying it couldn't, but but let Anderson Silva in his prime, could Anderson Silva in his prime, right? When he was, do you think he could have fought, defended his title six times in a year? Do you think he could have?
1: No, I don't think I, I don't think that's realistic. But let me go back to I have a question for you about that um, about that twelve week peaking, you know, um, or that fight camp of a twelve week fight camp. Um, mm-hmm. which is, um, you know, um, the Latin phrase ceteris paribus, which is uh, all things being equal, um, all things being equal, there are some humans uh, where their bodies are just superior to, you know, the, the elite, they're, they're, they're some, some human's bodies are just more, um, they're just very special. You know they're outside of the they're outside of the of the norm, uh, and so uh, I I think what I would suggest here is, is that you're seeing uh, that, that there's there's one level of of elite, and then there's the upper level of that elite um, um, of of the human body with these, um, especially if you're going to find younger fighters. Uh, You know, the under 25 crowd um, or somewhere where the human body is like, okay, you do need a longer um, maturation process uh, to go up, to go up uh, and be peak. Um, You know, I did a, you know what um, Tabata's are. tabasas is uh, from a Japanese physiologist. You know, Tabata's are 20 seconds of work uh, or yeah, 20 seconds of work. And then, like ten seconds rest for, you know, six to eight cycles of this. And you know, I'm only forty-eight, so you know, I'm not, I'm not quite at the peak of my. I, I would say, you know, I've, I'm past prime. And um, I, you know, during this uh, whole past year, I have not been working out that hard. And I went to the gym the other day. And I did a Tabata series of uh, negatives off the pull-up bar. Um, And I'm telling you the last two days, my left forearm, I have been unable to extend it. You know, there has been some intense massaging going on. You know, I'm in bed at three in the morning and, and I'm awake over there massaging my left elbow, trying to loosen up that tension. Um, just because it just hurts to sleep, but uh, I can't imagine being a, a professional uh, MMA fighter. Um, you know, obviously, this gives me time to think about these things and the topics that we talk about overnight. Um, but I'm paying attention. closely. I'm paying close attention to how quickly my body is healing itself. You know, after uh, I slept in until like 10:30 today, just to make up for. Uh, the lack of quality sleep overnight, I just pushed it out further. And I got in some deep REMS uh, episodes and, um, you know, that, that had me thinking a lot about how quickly the body is repairing itself. Um, and, um, uh, you know, I, I would say after all the massages I've done overnight and just having a good solid sleep that I did, it's, It is drastically improved. Now, we're talking about delayed onset muscle soreness, DOMS. I did these pull-ups not Saturday, today's Sunday, not Saturday, not Friday, but Thursday. Okay? So a full 48 hours plus, so like 60 hours after... 60 hours after I did the workout is whenever I felt the intensity hit. 60 hours, and I know from my younger self doing something like this, I I could bounce back within a day to two days. So I'm feeling it myself, and um, that and, and this discussion we're having here got me to thinking about well, you know, the IBJJF is they're starting up their um, competition series I saw um, on Instagram my my other coach uh, Rafael Sapo natal retired UFC fighter um, and he's down in Orlando Florida competing um, at competitions uh, he, so he's up from Brazil and um, um, you know I was thinking about myself like, how frequently someone you know which is basically an armchair athlete you know in the late 40s uh, you know, I have a sedentary job you know the work that I do is mainly based off the keyboard uh, how often and how should I train to for for competition and you know i'm in you know I don't plan on competing in now you know we've got this is mid October, so I've got november december you know january the schedule starts um you know I'm seeing. Organizations like, um, Broadway Theater, the whole, all of Broadway, they're out, they're out per, I don't know if it's industry, uh, you know, if they, they decided as an industry or if this came down from the New York, uh, governor, uh, Cuomo, but they're not returning to work, um, now this, as far as May 31st or June of 2021. So the theater district in New York City has been closed since March 2020. So that's, um, you know, 14, 15 months of an entire industry closed. What would IBJJF be like if if it was closed until June of next year, you know, the in-person competition? Um, And I know they're having competitions already. I don't know how. You know, obviously, you know, this is an issue, but you're not, you're not packing theaters full of people. You're, you're putting athletes on the, on the, on the mats. Um, but that being said, as far as me planning, coming back to this conversation, uh, me planning for competing again safely, um, you know, when I'm approaching now, you know, what will be my 49th birthday next year? Um, what should I look to model my, uh my training camp you know i can't peak you know within three months should i be looking at a three you know 13 week cycle you know you know how do i how do i model that to take it from the ufc to me
0: for a high level athlete an olympian a professional athlete the 12 weeks, and again, that 12 weeks is not set in stone. Some people, depending on the camp, it could be 10 weeks. It could be 12 weeks. You could peak in week 13. But in general, we're looking at that 10, 12 week for peaking. We're assuming a, a strong foundation that the person, that the fighter, the athlete, you show up for day one of that, you know, let's say it's a it's a 90-day camp. We're assuming that you show up with a decent foundation, that you're in shape, right? We're not... We're not assuming that you're showing up to get in shape. We're assuming you're already in shape, but That's out. You haven't. <laughs> we're assuming that so listen, We're assuming for day one that you're already in shape, and this is important. And that you showing up in shape to me today for camp, that you didn't strain yourself mm. to get in the shape you're in now. You pushed your body to the brink to show up to me day one. We're just gonna overtrain you. So it's a balance point. When you show up day one in shape, we want it to not be your like most perfect shape because that's going to be hard to sustain. We want it to be like a good base, but not like you killed yourself to show up your day one in shape because then that means you killed yourself. Now we got 90 more days on top of that. And that probably means a super strained central nervous system. You know that when you strain this nervous system, when you push the body that hard, that's when things like the ligament tears, it can affect a lot of things. It can affect your sleep. It can affect your ligament tears. You know, you affects your sleep. It's throwing off your hormones. It's throwing off a lot. Everything is connected to everything. That's the strange thing about the body, right? There's all of this just, we're entangled. A lot of things are, you know, you have a pain in your neck and it manifests down in your finger. Well, where's this pain in my finger? And then, well, it's in your neck. It's 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 further upstream. And so, So for a 90 day, let, let's go back to something for a second though. So when you were talking about your, your you know, the soreness that you're experiencing, the lactic acid, the delayed soreness. Um, and I was just, I just naturally thought, well, what would improve recovery? So people out there watching, like in my experience, okay, I'm just talking about my 30 some years, all my visits to the doctors, all my research doesn't mean I'm the Holy grail of anything. It just means the best I got for you, the listener, the athlete today, the best I got for you in terms of recovery, right? Best I got for you. So I'm thinking, how do we improve this guy to recover? By the way, it's the negatives, right? It's not. It's not the you know, whatever. It's the concentric or eccentric. It's not. It's not the pull up there. It's the downward one. Where, where that's where you get the extreme little micro tears in the muscle, and those are those take a lot longer to recover. Part of the reason that those negatives, as you call them, those negatives take a lot longer to recover, is because we don't we neglect them a lot in our life. We're all about the push up but not the dissension, not the negative, right? Not the negative contraction. So since we don't work the negative contraction as much in our life, that negative contraction gets neglected. Same thing with, you know, someone's legs. A lot of guys, a lot of athletes are prone to the torn hamstring or the little tears in the hamstring because they have a disproportion. They give all the attention, all the loving to the quadricep, the glory muscle, right? Doing squats, et cetera. And the hamstring gets neglected. There's an imbalance there and it makes the hamstring much more prone. And so, since we don't usually do as many negatives, right, in our lifetime, that those particular different muscles, different muscles are being worked when you're going down than when you're pulling up. They're different. There are different striations and different little different mu- micro muscles that are being hit. So, what what I do, to, first of all, whenever I do negatives, I would never go all out to exhaustion. I would never I, really I do it. I wouldn't because. Because of the propensity to get a lot more soreness and 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 it taking like like what's happening with you, I would go to about ninety percent, and I would just in, improve it. You know, my ninety percent would keep going up. One day it might be seventy of those pull ups, and you know, negative negatives too. And then another day it might be seventy four, but I'm still looking at about ninety percent. So so I wouldn't I, I wouldn't me personally. I'm just saying me personally. I wouldn't push that. To the end, because that's like wow, that's a, they're asking for a lot of soreness. Okay, what do we do, Frank? When my athletes got this soreness, we want to improve the recovery because you know you're seeing a bunch of guys. Uh, Dante Wilder, the boxer who fought, you know, who, who just fought uh, Tyson Fury, they're getting ready to have a trilogy fight. Saying he's saying now that he tore his bicep in his last, you know, and before the last fight he had torn bicep. I believe him. I believe that he that he did. Uh, Cody Love, who I know and like. Cody Love of Team Elf Male, tore his bicep. He's out of his big fight that was coming up. I think he was going to fight, for, I, think, I think he was fighting, I think he was maybe fighting for the belt at 125. I'm not sure, I'm not positive, but he's out. You know, Matt Serra. So torn biceps, those can be, um, those can be just traumatic, luck of the draw, but it also can be the accumulation. Like if you're constantly abusing certain areas, you got to be careful. So what would I do to recover that? Um, the first thing that I would do is I would be very conscious of my hydration. I would be very conscious of my diet. The more plant-based you go, the quicker your recovery is going to be. Cardio-wise, you're going to see your cardio go up and you're going to see your recovery go up on everything. So I would go way more plant-based, especially if somebody was dealing with even worse injuries than that. Yours is just a normal lactic acid source. So I would look for really good hydration, really good. Uh, trace minerals like Cell Food C E L L F O O D Cell Food twenty five bucks a month. You know Tom Brady is huge on those on those um, those trace minerals. There's like seventy or eighty of them in there. Cell Food makes a great product. I would get that. I would be drinking, especially high level athlete. I'd be drinking probably. I mean, you know one and a half times again most people will tell you drink half your body weight but again if you're an athlete and you're pushing your body you're going to need way more than half your body weight now so if you weigh 200 pounds most most hydration people would say 100 ounces you know would say uh you know you need 100 ounces of water but that's a normal person normal person needs that an athlete needs way more than that so you're going to have to be drinking one and a half to two times almost your one you're going to have to be drinking your 200 pounds 150 ounces of water a day if you're pushing your body, maybe 200 ounces for some people who are profuse sweaters and really pushing it, and 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 that sounds crazy, right? But that matters. The trace minerals and the cell food matter. Plant based matters. The Epsom salt bath, which you and I talk about many times, two or three cups of that in a warm bath. Don't fall asleep in there because it'll make you sleep like a baby. End of the night, you don't do those Epsom salt baths. You're gonna sleep like a baby. It's got so much magnesium in it, that magnesium improves the hydration in the cells. It improves—that's why that's why Epsom salt has such a healing effect, because it is, it is an inducer. It forces a lot of blood flow. When that blood flow is forced in the area, that's forcing nutrients in the area. It's also relaxing. That magnesium is a relaxant. its relaxing the muscle. And a relaxed muscle is going to heal better than a super new. That's why I was stretching. Stretching is another thing. Stretching can improve recovery. Why? Because it's inducing blood flow, it's putting nutrients there, it's relaxing the space and the body does its best repair in a relaxed state. When it's tense, it's, it's the same just like fighting. When you're fighting tense, you're never going to see all the things. Your body's wasting energy when you fight tense, you get tired quicker. So the body in recovery, um, you know, people are even reducing their stress levels. Stress takes longer for everything else to recover because you're asking the body to do too much. Now it's stressed out of its mind somewhere else. So it's putting out too many fires. So stress is going to be a big thing. The sleep thing, sleep like you just said, for a lot of people that don't sleep well, Epsom salt bath, like take them when you're really, really sore. Take that Epsom salt bath, 20 minutes, go to bed. That's going to help your testosterone that's gonna help your recovery, that's gonna help reset your central nervous system, that's gonna help your adrenal glands, you know. So, these are just a few things. Again, I'm I'm big, I even think the sun, this is just me personally, you know, I think the sun helps that recovery too, I do. I I just think everything's connected to everything. Vitamin D is a huge one for health, for immune system. And, So I'm a big believer in the sun, as in direct sunlight. Everybody's different. Some people might be 20 minutes a day in the sun. Some people might be 30. Guy like me, a wacko, it's it's a lot longer. But those would really be my prescriptions. Now you could do massage. There's other things that work. Infrared saunas, you know, to detox, you can do regular sauna. Um, And you know, you've got of course massage. But the problem with massage is massage can get expensive. I mean, if you've got your own little thing, you know. But again. What is massage doing? It's doing a lot of the same thing stretching doing. It's 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 putting, you know, not only is it actually maybe straightening the muscle, right? It's making the muscle the Because mu- this is what happens when a muscle gets painful a lot of times. This is what happens, it's doing this, it's tightening. So anything stretching, anything, stretching a ball, you know, people are stretching a ball, good massage, that's all it's doing. It's taking that ball, that knot, and it's just it's just creating that. So stretching mm-hmm. can do that, massage can do that. But the problem with, I would say, with stretching and massage, which I love, which are fantastic, Noah, is that a lot of people are going to be lazy about it. They just don't have the time for it, right? They just don't have the time. Like, it's great for high-level athletes to massage themselves, LeBron or something, 20, 30 minutes a day, a trainer does it. But most of us don't have that luxury. So to sit there and someone, I'm a big fan of stretching, but most people, most, especially the male athlete. You ask them to stretch 20, 30 minutes a day, which would be great, which would, which would accelerate recovery. They're not going to do it. They're just not going to do it, right? If you can do it, great. But I've given you some of the other things that the plant-based stuff, the Epsom salt baths. Um, but stretching is a wonderful. Stretching is, stretching will, in my experience, improve your recovery time for sure.
1: Yeah. I. In in this case, it's me getting back to the gym and just starting that, you know, start working back to that base level, base level of fitness that I'm familiar with. You know, I've taken more, I've taken more cooking classes than, than jujitsu classes this year at this point. So uh, it's going to take me a few months just to, just to get back into shape. Um, And, and if I, you know, if I, if I do these kind of, uh, intense, you know, these little intense sessions of, uh, taking that, taking that, uh, workout to to what I think is, you know, my, you know, to get the body back up quickly, uh, I'm going to have these, you know, I'm going to have these little, you know, episodes where, uh, yeah. Oh, if I go do Tabata, uh, uh, dead hangs, um, you know, negatives, um, uh, you know, off the pull-up bar, uh, yeah, my, my, you know, this, this body's going to have to come back a little bit. I know a little bit about massage therapy um, just because I've just followed it for a long time. And um, I totally agree with you. You know, one thing I like to do when I do um, acupressure massage on myself is if, if you ever feel like that knot, just pressing into it with your thumb Um, and holding it for at least 10 seconds and then breathing and like mentally thinking of like sending your breath to that knot, uh, a lot of times that the nerves, you know, get reset. It's like a little reset button on the nerves where they will relax. If it's a, if it's a tense muscle, it'll relax. But in my case, this was just a situation where, um, I, you know, probably had like a little bit of more tear, you know, a little bit more tear than, um, uh, than your typical thing. Um, and it was just, you know, it's getting back to that working out. How do you do negatives for hamstrings? Since you since you brought that up, um, you know, I've uh, not worked my legs in my life as, as much as I should. Um, how do you do, how do you, you know, what are you saying for doing negatives for your hamstrings?
0: Well, you could take you know, you could take like those BOSU balls or a smaller ball, even a medicine ball, you know, uh-huh. you, um, you know, maybe a ball that's in between, not a big BOSU ball, but maybe a smaller than a BOSU ball, but bigger than say a 10 or 12 pound, you know, throw, throw a throw ball. You would take that and maybe put it between your legs and then do the, you know, and then, do, and then just, just, just compress, just, just, just lay on your back put it under your hamstrings and then, you know, you're there and then you're just, boom, you know, you're uh, in bifurc- there. And so yeah. I do that. Some, sometimes I put a ball between my legs. I'll put the ball between my legs. I'll work on my contraction. I'll squeeze it. Yeah. I'll put the ball, I'll put the ball, you know, I'll lay on my back. I'll put that ball like in between my hammies and then just squeeze down, you know, that, how big that ball needs to be depends on how big you are. You want that ball to have a little give. Um, and you want that ball to be not too big cause then you're not going to get any, any hamstring compression on it or constriction. And if it's too small, then you're not the same thing. So you kind of want to find play around in the gym where you could find something intermediate. You could even put like a couple pillows in there and just, and just, you know, just, just squeeze down and, and that that's one way. But again, I would never go a hundred percent when you're, when you're looking, let me give you this analogy. When you have a weak spot, cause we all have weak spots in our body and those weak spots you know the the old saying you're only as strong as your weakest link mm-hmm. and you know so you could have somebody who's an incredible fighter but they have a weak chin or they have or they're very susceptible they have these pencil thin legs right um yeah your opponent your opponents are always looking at areas believe it or not subconsciously your opponent is not the good opponents are not just looking at you technically right everybody thinks that when your opponent or even your training partners study you. Everyone thinks that they're just looking at your technique. They're not. They're looking at your body. How strong are you here? Is there a particular part of your body that's vulnerable? Are you mentally weak? People are very smart about roto-rooting and figuring out this is how you beat. Dan Gable lost to a guy named Larry Owens. Back then, they wouldn't let you, you couldn't be a four-time national champion when Dan Gable was in college. They, there was a mandatory red shirt your freshman year. So we only got three years. The first two years he won it, he was unbeaten. He was, he was as good as we've ever seen of a wrestler. In the final match, he lost to a guy, Larry Owings. What did Larry Owings do? I know, because I interviewed Dan Gable for two and a half hours on the phone, and I could feel the intensity bursting through the other line. Most intense human being I've ever talked to, ever, by far, was Dan Gable. The, the palpability and intensity of his words. And what did Larry Owings do? He psyched him out. He, he talked a lot of smack. Nobody else had ever done it. It was a curveball. Gable was inside his own head or a guy he should have crushed, a guy he later beat. But but so Larry Owings figured, I gotta find, I gotta find the something. And the one thing Larry Owings had that matched up very well with Dan Gable, that very few had is Dan Gable was a workhorse. He could just, he was the energizer bunny. He would just go and go and go and mug you and just physically burden you physically beat you up to where guys were just ready to quit. They were just clock watching. Larry Owings happened to be had the exceptional cardio. He had the cardio to match Gable though. So he didn't have the skill. So but he had the cardio. So he's like, well, my cardio is as good as Gable's. He had that. But where he thought he might beat Gable is, well, let's talk some smack and see how he handles it up. I'm going to shock the world. I'm going to beat Gable. Gable, you watch the match on YouTube. Gable was not himself, not even. It's like an imposter. Like, when you watch Gable, like, it's a total imposter. But my point is, your opponents are always looking for those, you know, those weaknesses, it's natural. And and the first thing we need to be when we're looking at it is we need to be aware. We need to be honest with ourselves. This is part of the honesty that jujitsu forces us. The mat doesn't lie. It gives us the mirror and it says, these are your weaknesses. Are we paying attention when we get that, a lot of people, like to be blind and they just, they kind of ignore it, or they think they can just brush it aside. And it's like, no, you know, there's there's certain things that are very like, like I would even say for me, because in wrestling and a lot of wrestlers, a lot of wrestlers have shoulder issues, right? Your fingers get beat up in grappling, jitsu and, and wrestling. If you want to be in jujitsu or wrestling for 10, 15, 20 years, prepare for your fingers to get beat up. You want to be in jitsu or wrestling for 15, 20 years, Prepare for your neck. You're going to have some neck issues somewhere. I guarantee it. You want to be a wrestling or jiu jitsu for 15, 20, 25 years? Prepare for your shoulders. You're going to have some shoulder issues probably. Pretty good chance, right? Just stick around a long time. So we've got to constantly be looking at new ways. How do I make my neck stronger? How do I make my hands stronger? How do I make my shoulders? How do I? Because a lot of us are just doing the same stuff. We're just. You know, we do four or five exercises on shoulders and we think that we've covered everything. There's so many different muscles just in your shoulder. You could do 30 different exercises and hit 30 different angles and that improves the integrity. The little muscles are like the most important muscles. The the little muscles of the rotator are some of the most important muscles for, for shoulder stability. So there's a lot of little things like that that as we're doing this say, look, how do I address my weaknesses? It's being honest and aware. And then it's recognizing that if I'm just always doing push-ups, well, you know, how many different angles am I hitting? I mean, there's, there, I need to be hitting as many as I can. Why? Because there's other muscles. If I'm just doing the same standard push-up all the time, or are only two varieties of push-ups, and I'm really only hitting two different angles of the chest and the shoulder muscles and triceps. I need to vary those grips a lot to hit a lot of the neglected muscles. Because if we neglect those muscles, it's just like real life. We start neglecting things, guess it's use it or lose it. We start atrophying. Those things we neglect in our body become the weaknesses that our opponents or others are going to exploit. They'll exploit them because we've chosen to neglect them. So we're strong at certain things. So I'm a big fan of you know what you would talk about in, in economics and the diversification, right? The diversification of our body, of of training, of how strong is my neck. And and maybe some seasons you train, you know. So in other words, maybe some seasons you just, you train a little more your your quadriceps, and some seasons you train a little more your neck, but not always giving the same attention. Some seasons it's like, okay, this year, I'm gonna spend a little more time on my neck muscles. Doesn't mean I'm not gonna do any hamstring, it just means I'm not gonna do as much. Maybe I had a neck injury or whatever, and I work on my neck more in 2021 than I did before. Maybe another one I work on my core. Usually I'm trying to get as many of those muscles involved in the whole year, but Noah, you know this from, from the business world. We can't prioritize everything. If everything is a priority, what does some say, if everything's a priority, nothing's a priority, right? Yep. We have to choose something. You have to prioritize which muscles are the priority. And ideally, we would diversify, but sometimes we might be more let's work more neck muscle. Let me give you one example. Let's say you like a particular choke. Let's say there's a bulldog choke or some choke that Noah falls in love with, some guillotine, not just a rear naked, but you fall in love with some. And then you realize, this happened to me, you're getting in that position and you're not finishing that choke. You don't have the kill rate, as I call it, the kill rate, the submission rate that you want. Maybe you're submitting, you get in that choke position, you get your grip, you're locking, you're squeezing. Maybe you're saying, Frank, I'm only finishing 50% of these, right? I'm only finishing, but I was really like, well, bro. We want to improve, you know. Just like everything, we want to measure that. We want to improve that. We want to get that to sixty percent, sixty-five percent, eighty percent. We want to get it to the point where it's ninety-eight percent. To where opponents and training partners fear, like, do not let that guy get that in that position. You're in trouble, right? It's like a, it's like a, a pretty much a done deal. So when we look at, okay, Noah's at a fifty percent rate. How do we get him to a higher rate? Well, we would look at technical adjustments, right? We would say, okay, no. if you did a little more of this, if you move your body here, we would look at that. But also, one thing I would start looking at is, I would start looking at the muscles that are involved. And what we would find a lot of times is, even though we say strength doesn't matter, we all know strength does matter, injuries. I mean, it does, it does matter. It's not the be end-all be-all, we've seen people succeed. But it is important, especially when it comes to finishing moves, sometimes just being so strong, is like, you know, um, so, when we look at that, we would look and say, okay, what muscles are involved? One of the ways my chokes went up is it wasn't just always technical adjustments. It was get stronger, build those muscles up more with a tennis ball, with whatever, with hangs and that extra attention. So in those years, I said, I spent certain years and I said, I'm going to, grip power is always important. I'm not saying that, but in certain years, I spent even more time on it than I had in previous years, right? And I might spend more time on it than I do my chest because my chest is not tapping people out, right? My yeah. chest muscles are not are not tapping people out. So for a lot of grapplers, our grip power is probably more important a lot of times than our chest power, even though we spend on, on those glory muscles. So that, that grip power can become a big deal. You know, if you're somebody like an Eddie Bravo system, that flexibility is huge, right? So those guys spend a lot, his best athletes, some of them might be naturally flexible, but they're all stretching and putting a lot of time, extra time in that stretching, anytime, anywhere. Eddie Bravo's watching TV and stretching, but he's realizing that for his game, that stretching is not just technical, the ability to stretch into those unorthodox, unusual positions makes his game go up. He grow, it, it fits with that game. Certain people, if you love chokes, if you love chokes and you know, yeah, there's the rare guy that just has this crazy grip, I've met him, but you need to be working a lot. Not just your technique, technique is great, but you need to be working a lot on your grip power. You need to be putting the time in week by week. So these are just, these are some of the things where it might be, a we don't consider that a weakness, but if I'm only tapping a guy 50%, sometimes it's like I'm there, it's just, I just don't have the power. So is that a weakness? Yeah, it is. It's, it's a it's It's a strength. Being strong matters. You watch some of the guys taking guys down now in Jiu-Jitsu, right? Wrestling's become a bigger deal in the sport. I mean, bro, you take these guys are so athletic now, Noah. You gotta be, you gotta have a lot of horsepower to take a lot of these guys down now and to hold them down. It's a lot of horsepower. It's not just about here's my beautiful technique. It's horsepower. But watch Jordan Burroughs and you know, watch some of these athletes. They're they're running guys off the mat. Watch how quick people pop up. You better, you want to take down the modern day jiu jitsu player, wrestler, MMA fighter, the good ones, bro. You better have a lot of explosion because slow is not going to do it. So that horsepower matters. And when we address this, we have to constantly be looking for creative ways to address, like what you're talking about, not just our technical body, but getting our body primed, getting our body to day one of the camp. To where a lot of these muscles, back muscles, hamstrings, neck, grip muscles, to where they're like, wow, they're stronger. That you're coming in with a really strong base, and you're ready to be stronger in those muscles than you've ever been before. That is important because that that you hold up better to injuries that way too. You know, when you're stronger, when your neck is stronger, it takes the pounding better. When your spine is stronger, when your hamstrings are it takes it takes the beatings more, you bounce back more. So You know, we really do have to be aware that even though, you know, I'm not saying people need to go and be, you know, be certainly not be a bodybuilder and all that. We've seen that, but it is important whether it be band work, whether it be calisthenics, whether it be jumping rope, whether it be shadow boxing, whether it be live training, um, whether it be stretching, whether it be plyometrics, it's very important to have a system that is preparing the body to put up with this abuse, to making your constantly making not just technically better, enough, but constantly physically sharpening your tool, making your body stronger and more flexible. That's that's time consuming. That's time on top of mat time, right? That's time, oh, on yeah, yeah.
1: But oh, yeah, that's no, really it's, it's never you, you, you never catch a break with the jujitsu, you know. because it, it, there's always something you can be working on 24 hours a day. Um, and I was thinking it, um, you know, I don't know. Um, I, I don't know if this was, you know, the great, the best idea of just jumping up and start doing these negatives, but I, I also wanted to work a different kind of muscle than the ones that I was using to do that to do the, in my Tabata series. And that was my mental toughness. I wanted to just test it and see if I would keep going. So I was jumping up and it was, it, it's a setup where, you know, that you have like where you can just go and you could step, you use a step and then you start up at the negative and then to release yourself. And I wanted to just to, now that I think about it, one of the reasons why I did that um, was not only do I want to get that quick uh, you know, get that quick explosive workout in of doing, doing them. But I also wanted to start to train that mental toughness again of like, I'm exhausted, you know, or, or you know, this is hard, you know, and, or, you know, this, I've not put on the COVID-19 I've put on the COVID-25 and, and just, you know, really feel how much weight I've added um, to my body and to start working from there. Um, and feel that and literally feel it and continue, you know, so the other muscle I was working there that day um, on Thursday was just my mental toughness of uh, doing that to go out and do a jog to me. It's so, you know, it's like to run on a treadmill. It's so boring to me. You know, it's so boring. Um, And, and, and looking at it, it's because you, yeah, you have the controls there. We can speed up and slow down and change your inclination, but it's nothing like being outdoors. And you know, because you can immediately change your speed or you know, in, encounter a different terrain um, with the elevation. Um, but um, just, to, uh, uh, just to just just to keep uh, uh, adding more adding more ideas. While I was watching the fights yesterday, my my Old English Sheepdog Puppy, which was this little guy I went and picked up this summer, um, he's now like 65 pounds. And I mean, he's as big as a table. And so uh, whenever they had between rounds, these three-round fights, I'd grab that puppy and i hold him. And I for that entire 60 seconds, I was doing squats, holding that puppy, Um um, thankfully, I don't feel it today, but ask me in two days. I'll tell you if I feel it then. Um, but as, yeah, I was starting, you know, I'm just getting up off the chair and start doing that, uh, you know, start doing stuff in between the, um, you know, in, in between the rounds. You know, you get that 60 seconds. I get up and I would yell out in the house, 60 seconds. Everybody in the house can do something. You know, you know, you could, you know, what the little girl here is, you know, playing video game you know she's on the game like get up you know um so um,
0: what I, I find what i find has worked reasonably well for me. again i'm not in i mean the pan americans are going on now they moved them to orlando and i'm watching the the videotapes and i just i miss it i mean i i, I miss the thrill of you it, huh? the lightness of it the glory of it the camaraderie you know, seeing old faces, seeing old mm-hmm. friends I miss yeah. this whole environment. Um, yeah. And really, I really right now, um, this is the longest I haven't really I haven't trained in probably a year or so. Mm-hmm. That's the longest. That's by far the longest that I've ever went in my life without grappling. And some of that's COVID and some of that's just real life happens, but I am really feeling a tug now to get out there and uh, get on the mats and get a good sweat and and get some intense rounds. And I'm really feeling that. And um, so I, I kind of lost my train of thought a little bit. So, yeah,
1: you, you you missed that. I I, you know, I miss the smell and, no, and, this was and gonna say. the feel of the ghee.
0: Yeah, this is what I was going to say. So as a surrogate, right, sometimes, sometimes I'm a big believer in – the best we can do right now, today, right? Because the problem, would be, we say to people, well, be your best self and do your best. And people are thinking, well, you know, they feel lost, they think their life sucks. And they're thinking of their best as like this faraway thing. It's like, well, what's the best we can do right now? Right? The best, what's the what's the best meal I can afford right now? What's the best exercise I can afford right now? What's the best? whatever car it's it's the best now you know maya angela used to say when you when you know better do better but in the meantime just the best you can do right now and so maybe the best that i can do right now right i'm not i don't have training partners right there and so the best i can do right now as someone who's not i'm in i'm in really good shape compared to normal people i mean they would be like I wish I could be in shape Frankston right now, but compared to my wrestling days and my jujitsu days and getting, you know, getting ready for some of the big tournaments, no way. I mean, this, this Frank is like grossly out of shape compared to peak condition Frank. So I, but nevertheless, there's an obligation, which I just said, which is Frank, do the best that you can right now, right where you are today. Same for Noah and the best I can do with my day being busy and. And, and the projects I'm on is sometimes, I get up out of my chair every 30, 40 minutes and I'll do 20 squats. I might do plyometric pushes against the wall, two sets of those. And then I'll sit down and you know, 20, 30 minutes later, I'll get up and I'll do I'll do some twists. I'll do a little stretch. I'll do more plyometrics against the wall. I might even do some knee ups. I might practice doing, doing something with my, um, I like to do, hold on one second here. I like to do like the Muay Thai, I bring my knees up, so I'll do that. That's kind of working my core a little bit. And I'll do that for two, three minutes, or I'll drop and do 20 push-ups. Now that will make a huge difference in at least keeping a little base combined with, yeah, at the end of the day, I'll go somewhere for an hour, hour and 15 minutes now, and I'll do, yesterday I did 21 different sets of pull-ups, whatever, and I did some core work and I'll run some sprints and I'll do some yoga poses. Or I'll do some shadow boxing, a lot of emphasis on foot movement, big on foot movement. But in the day, inside of the day, I'm a big believer that you've got to take advantage. The problem for a lot of us is when we think of working out, we think of a minimum block of one hour or 45 minutes. We're trained there. It's like, well, if I can't do my one-hour workout now, then I just can't work out. If I can't do my 45-minute workout right now, then I just can't do that. And that's, that's not a good mentality for most people, because the reality is, even if most people who aren't in really good shape, even if they did two minutes here, three minutes there, five minutes there, adding it up, you would say for most people, if they did that consistently, they would get 30 minutes of exercise in a day. And that may not seem like a lot, but you'd be amazed at how they could keep a way better base and feel way better and be way healthier. Um, and, and, and less loathing because people, when people let themselves go, the problem there is a lot of people, you know, there's guilt, there's loathing, there's whatever people Mm -hmm. just don't feel right. They feel whatever. And so when you at least keep that base where 25, 30 minutes, it's two minutes here, it's three minutes there, it's a 10 minute walk there, just these little bursts, you know, go grab the jump rope and do two minutes of that, then go make your call or whatever. Right. And you know, so it's, it, it, it's hard to do that, but a lot of times. That's, that's a, that is an excellent approach for a lot of people. And the second thing there, this is very important. So, getting those little two, three minute things in there, 25 squats, back to what you're doing. You know, a wall pushes, push on that wall like your Superman plyometric muscles, get back to what you're doing. But the other thing that's very important is to, um, so, hold on, what I was saying is,
1: so the frequency is very important. The other thing
0: that's very important is a lot of people think when they work out, they always have to push to exhaustion, and that intimidates them. A lot of people's fear of working out is the fear of the pain. And the reason that they fear the pain is that they assume they always have to be pushing their body. And that's just not true for most people. Most people don't ever need to max if they don't want. That doesn't mean they're going to be their best, but it means that they're going to keep from, you know, if they're, if they're okay with, if they give me just 60% effort, no, what they're doing 30 minutes a day, they're going to have a way better base than if they're Killing themselves, they're giving me 100% effort, but they do it for two weeks and they quit. Right? I'd rather they give me 60%, 65% effort on their push ups. They don't go to exhaustion, but they give me 25, 30 minutes spread out through the day. That's going to get us somewhere because now
1: they're not afraid of the pain. Because I'm scared of it. I got to interject like, here because Yeah. I got to interject if I can. Good. So this is a good point for me to interject. You know, I I think we've got about 10, 10 or so minutes left. Sure. What are, that flies in the face of, dare I say, the CrossFit mentality. CrossFit mentality is redline yourself every time you go out there. At least that's my impression of it.
0: That, that is, that is, that is embedded in Americans. It's a cowboy mentality that we've had for, for decades. It's just, it's just, you know, no pain, no gain. And that's what scares people. What scares people is the pain and suffering of it, especially when they're out of shape, people come historically, people go to the gym out of shape and the trainer tries to kill them. And after a couple of weeks of that, people don't want to come back. It's, it's horrible. Mm-hmm. They're at, they're out of, especially when they're out of shape, right? And, it, and, then, and now, they're, now they're tired at work all the time, their body hurts and you know people don't want that. So what I would say to a lot of people is, hey, you don't have to sit here and go to the max. Just give me five, if five pushups is easy, give me five pushups and go back to what you're doing. If eight squats is easy, give me eight and go back to what you're doing and sneak those in. And when you do that 20, 30 minutes a day, it's going to increase the likelihood for a lot of people that some days they're going to say, Let me go do an extra workout because they're, they're going to, their body's going to be ready to do other stuff. Once they dig themselves a ditch and their body's not ready, they're not going to be like, let's go for a 30 minute jog. Let's go do that cycling class. If you keep that base, you're getting 30 minutes a day and spread out. You can go for the two hour or three hour hike on random days. You can go for the two or three hours of cycling. You can go to, you know, the yoga class, the jujitsu class. Once you dig the ditch and you're not doing anything every day because you can't get that 45 minutes or hour in, you dig the ditch, bro, you don't want to go for the four-hour, five-hour hike. You don't want to go to the jiu-jitsu class, and you don't want to go to the yoga class because your body is just regressed, regressed, regressed. Mm-hmm. At least if mm-hmm. you keep a base minimum, right? A base minimum. Like I, right now, I have a base minimum. I'm not in great shape, but I'm not in such, such bad shape that I loathe going back to the mat, right? There could be a point at which… Oh my goodness, it, it would be just be horrible. Like it would be four or five six weeks of just total hell if I let myself go and then I want to go back and just that. Right now I don't have the same level of dread cuz I've kept a strong base minimum and I kept that with not by killing myself, not by going 100%, but by being consistent and by sneaking in little micro workouts throughout the day. Sneaking them in and okay. saying it's okay. It's okay that I didn't go to exhaustion
1: on my set of squats. It's okay. But I did them, mm-hmm. right? Have we ever talked about CrossFit on this podcast and all the hours that we've done this year? Nope,
0: Well, I haven't. I'm not a, I'm not a, um, I, I'm very impressed and I admire um, what a lot of those athletes, the high level ones can do, the pros, the but I would say that, um, for a lot of people, that, that you know that that level of explosion is going to raise your risk for. A, uh, there's a way to do everything. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. But for a lot of people to be, gosh, to be that explosive with that, like there's a certain. I bet people that are cut out for that. I don't. I don't know that the vast majority are cut out for that. I don't think their, their ligaments, their tendons, their everything is really. Uh, I think the vast majority of people are really not built to, to do that or sustain that. But admit, I've met ones that are incredible specimens and, you know, pretty phenomenal, pretty
1: impressive. Yeah, I've, um, I've only done, you know, um, uh, you, you and I both trained together and uh, uh, trained independently at Lifetime Athletic, um, which is, uh, you know, they're along the lines of, a, you know, a premium or luxury brand of uh, gyms. And they have their own form of uh, CrossFit. I forgot what the name is, but I got oh, hit, in there. Hit,
0: hit something, hit something, or hit hit something
1: like that. No, it's something else. Yeah, okay. no, it's yeah, yeah. But they 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 have that. They had their own their own brand of uh, CrossFit, um, and uh, I did it a couple times, and um, um, I did it a couple times, and I was going to keep doing it. Um, but it, it it would be so draining, it, it drains the nervous system so much that I don't I wouldn't see any room for recovery to do, you know you know I I would say that jujitsu is kind of a lot of ways jujitsu is it's not that physically taxing if you look at it from a perspective of a gym workout but it is an all body workout it's like going dancing but you're going to use your upper body as well to dance on the mat. Um, So it's kind of, it's kind of a form of dance or, you know, physical gymnastics. Um, But if you were going there and you're, uh, you're training like a body, a competitive bodybuilder and you're taxing out, you know, body parts and taking them to the red line that you would every time you go out there um, for CrossFit, it's inevitable. You would get a lot of injuries. Um, I, it, it, would it be a great way to get in shape? Um, I don't know, but it would, re- I think what it, what it does do is it, it improves your mental toughness. I, I think that what CrossFit, um, seems to, to me, the appeal is that it, it takes the, it takes the casual gym goer and it exposes them for their mental toughness. That's what I believe. I believe that, you know, if, if you take a, a um, Marine Corps boot camp is CrossFit, uh, light, I would say. Because, but, because you, that is such a perfect little system that the Marine Corps has developed to take raw recruits. And, you know, I came out of there as a beast, um, and, um, it's frightening. The most dangerous person in the world is a Marine Corps um, boot, a a guy who just or or female who just graduates boot camp, because they have been fed so much fire for so long, but they're trained in a way that they don't they don't get um, there's a lot of um, safety involved, but they're pushed. You know, you talk about getting up out of the chair and doing these. uh, a hit, um, high intensity, high interv- high intensity interval training. Um, three to four times an hour, we would be doing um, burpees or uh, mountain climbers, or we'd be running out of a third floor, uh, um, a third floor uh, squad bay down out into the dirt, um, and do you know we would get what we call um, incentive training or IT training. Um, you were, you know, we'd be rolling around, you know, a platoon rolling left and right and jumping, pushing as fast and, and, and running with your hands out in front of you to call it high knees. And the drill instructors would be high knees, high knees, high knees. And then the flip arms, they push, um, you know, and then, um, they don't say jumping jacks, uh, uh, side straddle hops. I think they're called, I don't know. I forgot what they call. Uh, but, you know, they're constantly pushing you mentally that way, mentally pushing you. Um, and but so I think of um, uh, boot camp, you know, that mental toughness, you come out with that mental toughness. Um, and I think that's the appeal of CrossFit um, is that it does take the, you know, like I said earlier, it takes the, the casual gym goer and it exposes them for their for the, where they are in the mental toughness.
0: Yeah, that, that's a really good point, Noah. And it also has a gamification aspect of it. it. It keeps a lot of data, right? So we've got numbers, we've got data, we've got daily goals, we've got feedback, we've got the measurables, we've got, it's almost like you against the clock. So it's almost like the amazing race where there's an urgency there to get uh-huh, as much done. Uh-huh. So, so it, 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 has, it, it has sort of made, um, you know, it, it almost creates a game-like thing where you have numbers that you're pursuing and you have the thrill of exceeding other numbers, right? You're doing, you're, you beat your personal best. Um, yeah. And, and then you've got the urgency, the urgency of, can I get this much done in this window of time? And then you've also got the competitive aspect of so-and-so just did 50 of these. Maybe I can I do 55 for the competitive people? So it does have, um, you know, normal workouts are just, you know, kind of like orange theory, right? Orange theory lets you see what everyone's doing on their bike and all that stuff. Right. So I've never been there, so I don't know what that's like. Yeah. It has some of that gamification to it that, um, and the feedback and the data and your, you know, your daily, you can look at and say, I used to do, I used to do 200 of those in 10 minutes. Now I'm doing 260 of those in 10 minutes, whatever. Right. So, you know, some people really love that and, and, you know, it's, it's a race against the clock. So it makes it more engaging for some people than to just come and go through the motions of a workout. You know, there's accountability to it. There's camaraderie in that setting and that there's other people. So there's sort of that camaraderie too. It's sort of created a camaraderie of working out where normally, you're working out with somebody like going to lift or whatever, you know, you've got one buddy, maybe by yourself. A lot of times, maybe you've got one buddy, but in CrossFit, you know, you've got eight, 10, 12, 15 people in there that are all like, kind of supporting each other and the camaraderie. So it's, it's, you know, it's got other phenomenons going on. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so the bottom line for people out there is you, you know, for those people who aren't training right now, um, you just gotta find your thing, whether it's jumping rope, whether it's the shadow boxing, whether it's pull up bars. The thing I can say is that it's amazing, Noah, when you get creative, these times have showed us how many ways there are to work out. There's so many infinite ways, like you're, nobody has any excuse. People in prison are able to get good workouts. There, You know, you can get a good workout anywhere with so many resources available to us. So we really don't have the excuse that well, I don't have money for a gym or whatever. It's like, there's so much available to us. We just have to get creative and see it in our own house, in our own neighborhoods, in our parks, um, just getting up and just, you know, looking around your house, even if it's pressing against the wall, plyometrics, doing squats, doing push-ups. like it's, yeah, it's everywhere. You know, yeah, so, you know ten-
1: just, squeezing a tennis ball. Um, to hearken back to the, the CrossFit, you know, um, in that eight to 12 person, um, uh, class setting, you know, that, that taps into our tribalism, you know, that, you know, we have that, it's kind of like in our DNA, you know, like, like howling at the moon for a wolf. And then you see your dog, you know, you, you see elements of that wolf, that canine behavior, you know, that, that that's in them. Um, you know, that's in our DNA fighting is in our DNA. Um, and we you know having group activities in our DNA yeah, it's been kind of something that uh that we've lost out on in 2020 um what a hellish way to start a, a decade uh with um with um you know having our group our group identity our group workout ethos taken away from us um but hopefully um you know things are going to start to subside before long um, are you with me, Frank? It looks like your screen is frozen. Well, surprisingly, uh, I don't know if you can hear me, Frank, but it looks like you're still looking down at your notepad. Uh, so I'm going to make this a wrap for, uh, for today. Um, it's been an interesting podcast today. Um, and yet, here I am closing out the show again. So anyways, um, appreciate all the viewers out there. Um, any questions or anything, hit me up at uh, everymanbjj at gmail.com. Uh, we also have an Instagram and a Twitter feed. Uh, and my co-hosts, uh, Frank Forza, uh, Jordan Worth, and myself, appreciate everything. Take care.
0: That's it for today's episode of Everyman BJJ. Thanks for listening. Look for new episodes of Everyman BJJ every week, wherever you get your podcast or at everymanbjj.com.